Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Lost in the Long Box. I'm here with Madman, my name is Thomas. Randy is still on vacation, so he will not be with us this week. What you were listening to right there was Hans Adams' Paint the Sky. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. theme song. Our theme song. Hope everybody loves it. Well, as always, we're going to be starting out with the, with the news this evening, and I think most of us have heard uh, the news this evening, but what we, what we do need to go over it anyway. Stan Lee, Marvel legend and creator of many of the great characters that we love and have loved over the years, has passed away at 95. Rest in peace, Stan. Rest in peace, Stan. All we can really say here is thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so I, much. You so did. Much. You did so much for all of us. You know, you created all these characters we love, and in many ways, we probably wouldn't be here doing this podcast right now if it hadn't been for you. Oh, I'm certain. Yeah, there's there's no way. I mean, I grew up reading Spider-Man and all of your creations, and yeah, it's we definitely wouldn't be here right now. We will be going over our normal uh, scheduled. You know, topic tonight of storylines that we loved growing up. We will be going in the Stan Lee's career, life and career later uh, next week once Randall is back and we've had a chance to digest everything and really do a lot of more research into his life right, and career. Right, the news just broke today, so. Right, we need to make sure that we do it justice and go over, over everything that he has done because there's a lot. And, you know, having just a few hours to go over it and do the yeah. research, it really wouldn't have done him justice. And we want to do him justice you know, the word legend is thrown out there a lot when, when talking about people. And Stanley, in this case, it really was true. So, absolutely. He had great power and he used it with great responsibility. We will miss you, Stanley. Enough said, true believer. That's right. Excelsior. <laughs> Smiling Stan. That's right. I met him once um, years back, probably about 10 years ago, at Pittsburgh Comic Con to get his autograph. And I remember them telling us all as we got in line to get an autograph that you couldn't talk to Stan Lee. They wouldn't let you have a conversation with him. And they said it's not because he doesn't want to talk to you. It's because he's the friendliest man on the face of the planet. And he won't shut up. And he won't <laughs> right, exactly. And that he wouldn't shut up. And you know, he'd spend an hour talking to you about his favorite, you know, Fantastic Four or Spider Man storyline. And you know, we just yeah, had the, the problem too wasn't many people. You. Yeah, it was him. Right. The problem wasn't you and you know, I noticed as I was getting closer, waiting in line that, you know, even if I had really wanted to talk to him, I wasn't going to be able to. I could kind of feel that knot in my oh, throat really? coming up. I, I, it's probably the one and only time in my entire life I can honestly say I was starstruck. Wow. Right. I think I managed to get out a thank you for the autograph, but that's really all I was able to say. It's wow. pretty crazy. I mean, I've been in lines for other creators and everything. I mean, I talked to Jim Starlin last year at Awesome Con, you know. In general, no they're pretty approachable. Most of them are. Yeah. I mean, I've never had, you know, dealt with any creator that wasn't. So, right. Yeah. You know, but... But yeah, I just, I definitely. But it's Stan Lee. It's Stan Lee. You know, <laughs> this, this isn't just anybody. This yeah. is Stan Lee. Stan the so, man. Yeah. So yeah, I, I realized quickly that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to have a conversation even if I wanted to. I loved his cameo in Mallrats. You remember that movie? I do. Yeah. Uh, he was the, the, the little cameo was that he was in the mall to sign like comic books and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so uh, his friend, uh, Jason Lee's friend, that other actor who didn't go anywhere, uh, he uh, he talked Stan Lee into talking to the Jason Lee's character, mm -hmm. uh, and the whole time he has Stan Lee there in his presence, he keeps asking about uh, the sex organs of the characters he created, <laughs> like Mister Fantastic. You know, you get Stan Lee, you get his ear, you get, a, and you the first thing you want to ask him is how does Mister Fantastic's thing work, right? Like stretch or what? You know. And uh, and they even asked about the thing. How about how about the thing's junk? Is it made out of rock too? 
It's like, you could stand Lee there. You can ask him anything, and this is what you ask. This is what you want to ask. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> wouldn't be talking about the things thing or, you know, <laughs> Mr. Fantastic's fantastic. You know, it's just, I honestly don't know what I'd ask him. Well, why else do you think he calls himself Mr. Fantastic? Right. I mean, it, it stands the reason. The things thing. I like that. Yeah, the things thing. <laughs> um, but... Well, yeah. yes, and we will be definitely going over Stanley more next week when we have, like I said, when we've had time to digest everything and get everything in here. And well, we still, still got a lot of crying to do. Exactly. This is this is a big one right here. Yeah. This is probably the biggest, you know, comic news in the past ten years, and it's easily, easily, and you know, it's the first major comic book related, you know, passing since probably Jack Kirby in Jack the Kirby. late nineties. What was that? Ninety five, I want to say. I think so. I could look it up. And be yeah. sure. So. So definitely, but we will be going over Stanley and more in long form next week when we've had a chance to to review everything more. Uh, ninety four looks like ninety four. Okay, I knew it was. I knew it was either the year, but I graduated high, yeah, school, high or school, the, school or yeah. the or the year before. It was my junior or senior year. I couldn't couldn't remember which one. But yeah, so join us next week where we're going to be talking about all about Stanley, his impressive, you know, career. Right. Uh, and there's, I mean, stuff is already jumping into my head I want to talk about. Oh, no doubt. But, I mean, here's here's the one good thing I want to say about uh, Stan Lee. Is he, when he first started uh, doing comic books, creating comic books, it was still a very fringe entertainment. It was looked down upon. By, like, if, like if he went to a, a party where there's a bunch of writers and stuff like that, and they're like, oh, what do you, what do you write? And he goes, oh, I write comic books. And they, psh, you know, look down on him. And now... Uh, you know, at 95 years old, he was able to see Infinity Gauntlet on the big screen. Right. You know, he was able to see his characters like Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, such as it was, on the big screen, you know. Uh, the X-Men, seeing those movies coming. And then people who are making these movies, hey, Stan, you want to do a little part? And he's like, hell yeah. Right. Hell yeah, I do. Right. I mean, his his characters he created, you know, not only bought joy to all of us that are read, but on the big screen making billions of dollars. I mean, it's, exactly. It, Marvel's it's never been making so much money. Right. Never. And, and it's all, all owed to him. Basically. And it's all owed to Stan Lee. And, you know, you were talking about people looking down the comic book industry. I mean, yeah. the main reason his na last name is Lee is because he was writing comics and he wanted to use his real last name for doing serious novels. Exactly. So even even he, when in the beginning, you know, knew. knew, was, knew yeah, there was a stigma attached to it. That there was a it. stigma attached and, to it. And throughout the course of his life, he saw it get brought into the mainstream. Right. And I can't think of any, like, lifetime achievement if as a creator to see see something like that, you know. When you first create a character like Spider-Man, it's like, you know, I'm just entertaining kids, really, you right. know? But here you are, and it's like you're entertaining the entire world. Right, and he did so much for so many people with Spider-Man. You know, Peter Parker was, you know, everybody that read that, you know, the nerdy kid that got picked on and everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he was all of us, and, you know, we got, to, we got to live our life through him and, you know, be happy. So rest in peace, Stanley. You really will be missed. And if there's a video clip on loop, on your gravestone, it should be that scene where you're going, where you're the FedEx guy, and I'm looking for Tony Stank, <laughs> and that should be on loop on your on your tombstone. That's Stanley, right, because that would be awesome. Well, going to miss you, pal. We are going to miss you. In other news, fans of the TV show Gotham, it's been announced that Batman will appear in the final season. Oh, more bad news. <laughs> Not a fan of the TV show Gotham. No, <laughs> I, I I like the show. I think it's been a good There's show. There's only one character I really liked in it, and it's Penguin. Penguin. Yeah. Oh yeah, he steals the show. Yeah, no doubt. I, I like Alfred as well, but yeah, but uh, but Penguin. Yeah, Penguin steals the show. He's easily the best character in Absolutely. that show. Penguin, no doubt. Yeah, Oswald Cobblepot. 
penguins. That's right. You ever seen that video of Benedict Cumberbatch? What's his name? Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Do, yes. Doing doing the uh, penguins. No, I have Documentary. Haven't. It's hilarious. He can't. He screws up penguins like three times. Oh, nice. <laughs> penguins. Yeah, and see, I love me some penguins. It's one of my favorite, probably my favorite animal. I saw the movie March of the Penguins opening night. Great movie. Wow, you're losing some nerd street cred, bro. Yeah, maybe so. But you know, I did love, <laughs> do love me some penguins in all their forms. Um, Black Label, DC's Black Label, the uh, the label that bought us the uh, first appearance of the Batwang. Batwang! Is going to be releasing Watchmen, Kingdom Come, Batman Year One, and The Dark Knight Returns, re-releasing them in trade paperback form. So Good. Yeah, definitely a good thing. All great stories. If you have not read those, you probably do want to get out and get them. Get I was, them, yeah. I was, good books. I was All a of huge them. fan of, uh, of The Dark Knight Returns. Oh, so good. That was fantastic. Best Frank Miller work ever. I, I don't know the, the exact phrase in there, but I remember there was a scene in there where Alfred was talking to Batman, where, where, where Bruce was telling him to write a check for all these various charities. Right. Yeah. And Alfred comes up with old men that can't seem to put their oh, past right. behind them, write them a check. Yeah. <laughs> Great. You know, cause it's something, cause it was funny and it's yeah, not it was something an interaction that, uh, that right. these two guys who apparently had been very close, you know, know what each other are doing. Stuff right. Like that. Just the way they passively aggressively rib each other. Right. It's, it's great. And that's not something you expect from Batman for him to say anything, you know, what I would call funny, but you know, that really was, I laughed at that. That was great. Well, I mean, it's, it's one thing to say that Batman does have a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. He does, but he would never say something like, it's the car, right? Chicks dig the car. Right. You know? I mean, and so, I mean, I would think that uh, in that particular scenario, in that scene you're talking about, uh, Bruce knew what Alfred was getting at, mm-hmm. but didn't want to acknowledge it. So he just said, he write just, a check. Yeah, write a check. This off the cuff response. I've done the same thing when yeah. I when someone you know, really burns me good and I don't want to acknowledge it. I, yeah. I, I get where he's coming from. <laughs> Um, in other news, Avengers 4 is looking right now at being three hours long, although that is subject to change. Get my bladder's going to get another workout, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd be perfectly fine with it being three hours. I think it probably even may need to be. There's got there's going to be a lot they're going to need to do in that Yeah, movie. there's a lot they still need to cover. And, you know, depending on, you know, where the everything falls, I mean, it's a good opportunity to bring the Fantastic Four and the X-Men into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, you know. Might be a good time to do that, even if it's just a post-credit scene or something like that. That could be good. It could be. I mean, so we'll see. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm all for for it being three hours long. My bladder will, like you said, get a workout. I probably <laughs> won't buy anything to drink to, well, during that movie because so I don't miss anything. You get bring one of those porta johns. Yeah, maybe so, or <laughs> you know, find one of those theaters where you know, the bathroom is really close to the entrance. You can run, run right. back. So. <laughs> Definitely looking forward to that. That will be an opening nighter. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So don't worry. We'll have plenty of coverage for that as we get closer to it and, uh, you know, when it does. Oh, yeah. When get, it drops, we'll be talking about well, it. Well, the first Monday after it drops, yeah. we will be talking about that. That is one of the most anticipated movies for me in a long time. Exactly. Because I've been waiting. <laughs> oh, yes. I want to see how everything fleshes out. Exactly. So that's the news for tonight. Um, we're going to go ahead and get into some of our favorite storylines of all time, some of the things we liked and didn't like. Um, I see, Madman, you have some stuff over there. Would you like to give us a start? Okay, yeah. Um, I want to start with the, the panel, the, the panels that I used for this. Uh, it's panels of uh, Joker beating Robin to death mm-hmm. with a crowbar. Yeah. Some of my favorite panels in comic history. Uh, so I'm talking about Death in the Family, which is a... a, a I guess a series of Batman books, I guess, like I haven't read it a million times, uh, uh, about 
the death of Jason Todd. And um, it's a four-issue series uh, that occurred in the Batman books, uh, 420, 426 through 429, mm-hmm. I want to say. And so, uh, and what was interesting about this series is that they left it up to the fans to decide what happens to Robin. And my favorite panels are the ones that are used in the Lost in the Long Box picture for this week where it's him beating Robin to death. And they were planning on doing that anyway. And at the end of that comic book, they left it up to the readers. You decide what happens to him. So they were either way, they were going to beat him senseless with a crowbar. Right. And I love that about DC because I wanted to beat Jason Todd senseless with a crowbar. And I noticed when looking at, at your trade there, it has the Comics Code Authority seal, which kind of surprised me with, you know, as brutal as that scene was. As brutal as that scene was, you do see like um, him making contact once, but a lot of uh, uh, like the punishment he's dealing to him it happens off panel. Right. Like off screen. And so I think that's how they got around it with the comics code. And so, but still, it was delicious that beating Robin to death was a foregone conclusion. They're going to do that anyway. Right. And then they left it up to the readers and they say, whatever they say is what we're going to do. And the readers all hated Jason Todd, just like I did, so they voted him for him to die. And it caused a big press uproar. You know, people were like, you know, who don't follow comics or don't read comic books. You know, they're all just like, you killed Robin, how dare you? It's a horrible icon, you know. And it's probably kind of paved the way for the death of Superman. We'll talk about that later in many ways. But, I mean, it caused a controversy. It caused comics to be sold, you know. And uh, people were talking about it. But a lot of people who didn't understand the comic books thought that they were, you know, killing dick grayson which i would never have been good with no no you, you know he's yeah. one of those ones that should be for the most part pretty much immune yeah immune. Yeah, like you said he's an icon exactly and so it's but when it comes to jason todd it's like yeah i wanted i was on the joker's side i was rooting for the joker it's like yeah beat that little uh, he's such a jerk jason todd the jerk so it was a very satisfying moment when beating him to death with the crowbar and at the end they're like should he live or die and i'm just i didn't vote Thumbs but down. yeah, thumbs down. <laughs> Kill that guy. <laughs> you know, the one thing I didn't like about it is, you know, not anything to do with the story or anything like that, is years later that they bought Jason Todd back to life. Yeah. And, you know, the main reason I didn't like that is because, you know, you had to vote by calling a phone number. Yeah. And, and you had to pay for and that. And you had to pay for that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, all these people paid saying they want this guy to die. And then later you bring him back. That just didn't seem right to me. If there was ever a character that should have stayed dead, it should Jason be Jason Todd, Todd yeah. because people paid to see him die you know yeah. in, in the comic so it, and just, when they brought him back i mean i hated him you know twice as much yeah i i don't know? i don't like him now because because of it be you know i you know, like you said i didn't vote for this yeah. i didn't vote to pay for this there's no way my parents would have allowed me to do that <laughs> but you're gonna you're gonna pay to vote right. for somebody to, a, a fictional character to die yeah yeah that's that's exactly the reaction <laughs> there, there, there's no way they would have agreed to that so I didn't pay for it, but I but I'm angry for the people that did, you know. Yeah, I would be felt feel a little hurt if I did. Right, and I mean it. It's so they they shouldn't have bought him back, in my personal opinion. Yeah. There's a lot of characters that die that they bring back, and I'm either eh or happy to see back. But this was one that I wasn't happy to see come back. Yeah, and um, moving into the the series that followed this that I really liked was um, uh, Lonely Place of Dying, mm-hmm. which was another series that was following uh, Jason Todd's death. Um, Batman starts getting a little crazy, a little reckless himself, and that's when this kid named Tim Drake starts noticing mm-hmm. that uh, all these details about Bruce Wayne and Batman, and how uh, his ward Jason Todd is dead, and then all of a sudden Robin's gone, you know, and Batman's acting crazy, and so this kid detective named Tim Drake 
figures out that Bruce Wayne is Batman, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, you get a new Robin and a new Robin that I like, who's actually seems smart and clever, you know, a little bit more nerdy and not so. Uh, I think it's pretty much universal that people yeah. like Tim better than Absolutely. Jason. I, it's funny because, you know, you brought you bought this in today and I, I saw a meme somewhere the, just yesterday or the day before. And it showed Bruce with all the various Robins and it, yeah. it showed him hugging Jason Todd and hugging oh, yeah. Tim and, you know, hugging Damien. And then it shows the, the iconic picture of him smacking the daylights out of Dick. Yeah. <laughs> And it just made me think about that right now. Yeah, speaking of Robins, I want dead. Uh, Damian Wayne. Yeah, want that guy dead. Yeah, I don't like Damian Wayne yeah, either. If you, if I would pay now, if you had a comic book where you, you know you you dial the nine hundred number. Yeah, to kill I would Damian dial. Wayne. Yeah, to kill Damian Wayne, especially if you are you are going to beat him with a crowbar first. <laughs> you know, and if if it were Batman holding the crowbar, like say he's mind controlled or something like that, that would be dope. That would even. Be <laughs> yeah, I, I would totally read that. I, I don't particularly care for Damien either. Yeah. All right. So the first one I have uh, up here is the 12-issue the Maxi series from April 1985 to March 1986, issues 1 through 12. DC Comics' Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, yeah. One of the best ever. I read this most recently, I'd say, about two or three years ago again. I own the trade paperback, so I've read it several times. I'd love to borrow it. Yeah, I'll have to get it for you uh, out of my out of my closet with the rest of my long boxes and everything and get it for you. But, yeah, it's a it's a great series. It's the one where DC decided that they needed to simplify things, that the, right. the multiverse wasn't working anymore. It was it's, too confusing. It's out, of, it's out of hand. It's out of hand. It's out of date, and they wanted to bring everything into one world. Um, so they, they had used a character that had previously been created in Teen Titans, the Monitor, and made his arch enemy the Anti-Monitor. And the whole goal was for the Anti-Monitor to destroy everything and replace it with negative energy. Okay. So all the Earth started, and it, it was used as a launching pad for a lot of uh, characters that DC acquired, like a lot of the Charlton and characters and things like right. that. The Ted Cord version of the Blue Beetle makes his debut in Crisis oh, right, on yeah. Infinite, Infinite, Infinite Earth. The question, um, I believe this is when Captain Adam came into the DC continuity and everything. Oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, See, I haven't, I haven't read it, so I'd oh, love yeah. to get a hold of it. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to find it. I'll try to, I'll, I'll, I go over to, I actually keep most of my stuff at my parents' house because I have more room to store things there I than I you. do my house. So I'll have to find it while I'm over there this Wednesday. No rush. No rush. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a great story with the, the combining of all the Earths and everything. You know, all the extra universes are, are set to go away. It's supposed to, you know, trim up the continuity and make it tighter and, and everything. Um, you know, they kill off Barry Allen, the version of the Flash, and they kill off yeah. They kill off Supergirl as well, or as well as many other Earths. You know, Superboy Prime will play a much bigger deal later on, as well as the Earth Two Superman and, and Lois and Alexander Luthor that are big parts of this. They'll play a bigger part in Infinite Crisis. Um, that comes much, much later. Much later, yeah. Um, yeah, as the, as they're they're kept around. Yeah, both DC for the longest time was referred to as pre-crisis and post-crisis based on their storylines as far as far as the way things go. Because of course you had all the multiverse and everything beforehand. It's a great story. The only thing I would say about it is to the younger listeners out there, the people that haven't been reading for a very long time, you might not necessarily want to go pick it up, even though it is a great story. Because a lot of the things they did in it have been undone. Yeah, Barry Allen's alive. You know, Supergirl's alive. The multiverse is back. 
They're constantly retconning. Right. And, you know, one of the editors, I forget which one, one it was, was talking about it. He was an editor at DC, and he said that you have to reimagine your universe every 10 years because your audience changes. And that's probably a big part of why this was done, and they, they bought everything back yeah. and, every, and such. But, you know, it is a great story. It's one of my favorites. Um, you know, it, it still holds up to this day, but just do keep in mind that, you know, everything that it established has since been undone. <laughs> So if if you uh, if you're reading the modern comic books and you pick it up and you read it, you're like, wait, yeah, wait, <laughs> you'd what? be very confused, right? It could it could confuse you, you know, just you know, if you read it as a standalone story and you know, not have to connect it to anything that you're reading today with you know, Rebirth or New Fifty Two or anything of that nature, right? You'll still enjoy it. <laughs> it is a good story, and it does, you know, it, you know, it's Marv Wolfman and George Perez. So I mean, you know, yeah, there you go. Yeah, a couple more great, right? A couple yeah. of greats there, you know, doing their thing. So there you go. There are no Stanleys. But... No, definitely not Stanley, but greats on their own right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So what do you have next for us, Madman? Uh, I, I wanted to just briefly talk about Death of Superman: A Funeral, Funeral for a Friend. Okay. Because um, we, you know, I did talk about Death in the Family, where they killed Robin, and that caused a fuss. And so I'm sure somebody by the middle of the '90s got the idea. Well, let's kill Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be a big deal. And it sure was. It was a big deal. And there's a whole bunch of people went out and bought the bag special editions. Yeah, I mean, this guy yeah, right yeah, here. Guilty, guilty. Yeah, guilty. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and, you know, and then after a little while, they just undid it all. <laughs> yeah, I, I was lucky enough to actually have traded mine away for some expensive baseball cards oh. <laughs> before that. Good, they, good trade. Yeah, it was a good trade. And I've since, you know, offloaded those before they, you know, the bottom fell out of that market, too. So I actually ended up making a little money off of that that I probably wouldn't have made had I kept it. So nice, that's yeah. good. But, uh See, the thing was is that there was like three different uh, story arcs that were going on. After, like, there was th- that's a Superman story arc. There was a Funeral for a Friend story arc. And then there was the Reign of the Superman story arc. Right. That was all going on where it had four different people trying to become the new Superman in town. And uh, it's like, wow, that was a lot to absorb. Mm-hmm. Um, Funeral for a Friend was boring. And I'll tell you why it was boring. Because it was about a funeral for a friend. Right. And, and those are entertaining. Was, right. And if I remember correctly, it was long. It was long and not interesting. Yeah. I mean, it didn't it go, go over like 12 issues or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Like, say, yeah, say your job is to, like, we want you to write a story about a funeral. It's, it's Superman's funeral, but, I mean, it's still a funeral. Right. So... Yeah, I mean, still, that you would think that would be able to be done in a couple of issues. Yeah. I mean, the death of Captain Marvel was one graphic novel, you know? Right. I mean, granted, he's not as important as, as Superman, but still. And uh, uh, I understand that there are things that are left in the wake of the battle between Superman and Doomsday. And, like, I, I know Blue Beetle, he was he was tore up mm-hmm. after that fight. And uh, what was his name? Bloodwind as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, I understand that there were loose ends to tie up, but holy cow, you didn't need to... I think it was like a twelve issue series. Right, it yeah. went on for what seemed yeah. like forever. Yeah, and uh, we didn't need that. Death of Superman, I can understand, but I don't think we needed the funeral for a friend. Thing. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of the Death of Superman storyline. That was that was a lot. Of, it was, that was okay. Good. It was an entertaining story. It was an entertaining sure. story. I, I liked it. Yeah, and I think that the reign of the Superman was fairly entertaining as well. But the funeral for a friend <laughs> could have done without that. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, at the very least, you know, if you want to do the funeral issue, that's fine. You know, make it one, yeah, maybe one two issue. issue, one maybe two issues. Yeah, you know, I mean, kind of condense it a little bit. It's like a wedding uh, uh, episode. You don't want to do a twelve issue story arc about a wedding, do no, you? No, no. Yeah, you want to have one issue where Reed and Sue get married. All right, because 
everyone who shows up at that wedding is just being polite. Right. You know? Well, and the thing about it, too, is I want, when, when we get a wedding issue, I would kind of like it to be, you know, just a wedding issue. Let's not have any supervillains crash the party. Let's not have anyone get left at the villains. altar. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that does have its place. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes you just yeah, just a wedding. a wedding. Just a wedding. You know, I would like to see supervillains show up and, like, this. Like on good terms, it's like it's you know peaceful like, day. Be like, look, I'm not here to fight. You yeah. guys are getting married. Let's, and if and if it's just, Reed and Sue, right. you know, and they go way back with Victor, you know, Von Doom. Yeah, just, you know, wouldn't they invite him? Yeah, just have him show up. You know, wearing a tux and his mask, <laughs> and you know, you know, calmly sit sit in the in, in the in the audience, and you know, when when the scheme your evil schemes, right? When the pastor gets to that point, says, "You know, does anyone here object to this wedding?" Make him look like he's actually like he's gonna stand up and then sit back down. <laughs> just have him shift in his seat. Yeah, just have him shift in his seat a little bit. Everyone's you know. eye, everyone's eye, Doctor Doom. Everyone's eyeballing Doctor Doom the entire time. Gonna <laughs> yep. say something? Yep. Be like, Doom showed up because Doom wanted to be the center of attention, <laughs> not you. Ha ha. Doom wins again. Yeah, Doom is a David Lee Roth of supervillains. Right, there you go. That would be great. <laughs> oh, I would laugh at that so bad. That would be great. Absolutely. Yeah. So next one up that I have is one that I really, really enjoyed. I read this uh, most recently, I guess about a few months ago. It was one that I enjoyed in the, at the time and one I still enjoy now. And I don't think it gets enough love. It was from the late 80s, early 90s, from December 1989 to February 1990. It was from Marvel Comics, The Axe of Vengeance. Axe of Vengeance? Axe of Vengeance. Is that ACTS? ACTS, yes. And it went through the regular issues of, of the comics. That there were It wasn't annuals. It wasn't a miniseries or anything like that. It just went through the regular issues. Right, right. And basically what happened is you had your major players, your Magneto, Doctor Doom, Kingpin, the Mandarin, the Skull, Red Skull, and the Wizard. And they were being manipulated. They find out there later that they're being manipulated by Loki. And he has his master plan to destroy all of Earth's heroes. And basically what it goes down to is that they've spent all these years fighting these heroes. Like, you know, people like Dr. Octopus has spent all these years fighting Spider-Man has never been able to beat Spider-Man. Right. So let's stop doing that. Let's start fighting other heroes. So someone like the Juggernaut, who's mostly been an X-Men villain over the years, huh. goes after Thor. Um, Dr. Doom goes after Spider-Man. Magneto goes after Spider-Man. I see. Yep. Actually, things actual like strategy. That. Yeah, actually using strategy and, and <laughs> trying to you know kill off some of the other other villains. It was a lot of fun, and it gave us a lot of really great stuff. Um, I know I don't know if you guys have heard of the Marvel character Captain Universe. He first uh, showed up in, yeah. in in Micronauts. Right, right. He was the hero that could be you uh-huh. because he would basically take over. You know, not necessarily take over, it a, but he was an energy. He was an energy being yeah. that would merge with a person, giving them all kinds of powers like flight, yeah. super strength. You know, be able to shoot beams yeah. out of their hands and like rearrange molecules. Yeah. Well, he merges with Spider Man during this time, and he becomes Cosmic Spider Man. Uh-huh. Spider-Man's strength has increased greatly. He suddenly can fly, and you know he can make use his mind to make all kinds of crazy things out of his webbing. And it takes you know it's fun watching him get used to some of this stuff. Him fighting Doctor Doom, and naturally, of course, Doctor Doom wants his power. Because, oh yeah, you know that's what Doom, Doom does. Doom wants, yeah, yeah. So you know you see Doom sending people after him and 
and watching him and scheming of ways to get his power and everything. It was really great. Yeah. And, you know, I've said before that I was never a huge fan of McFarlane's Spider-Man. But there are some exceptions in, in this one. If you've ever seen the cover to Amazing Spider-Man 328, that is a fantastic cover where Cosmic Spider-Man is taking on the Gray Hulk. And he's got Peter, you know, Spider-Man, lifting the Gray Hulk up with one hand while it looks like he's flying. It's, it's a great cover. I don't own that book. Oh, yeah. But it's pretty sweet. And I think it's, you know, most people have seen it. And it's probably pretty well known. It's yeah, a, but, uh, yeah, McFarlane's art. I mean, it's a good cover. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but it's it's clearly McFarlane. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. It's one of the most McFarlane covers ever. Yeah. But, you know, I, like I said, normally I'm, I'm not a huge fan of his, but that's a sweet cover. That is pretty sweet. Um, probably the greatest thing that came out of this is something that would be set up for much later. There's a really, really fun story here between Fantastic Four 335 and 336 where the Fantastic Four go to Washington, D.C. to testify before Congress. <laughs> and while they're there testifying before Congress, you know, in the, epi- in the issue before, before they got there, and when they get to Congress, all these C-list villains are coming after them trying to take them down because, you know, that's the theme of the Acts of Vengeance. Right. And, of course, they're being handled like, you know, like what does the Beatle have for, you know, the Fantastic Four? Not much of nothing. Yeah. I don't think he really has one. Yeah. Does he give anybody any trouble? Yeah, not really. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he's met with no success whatsoever. Yeah. But the big thing about this is the reason the Fantastic Four are in D.C. is Reed is there to testify before Congress in the proposed Superhero Registration Act. Hmm. It f- appears here for the first time, and he is coming out to talk out against the Registration Act saying that he doesn't think it's necessary because heroes have pretty much proven to be effective. Uh, Okay. And years later, we'll see the Superhero Registration Act again. I believe it's 16 years later, during Marvel's Civil War. Civil War, yeah. When he has switched sides and he's on Team Iron Man wanting the Registration Act to go into effect. Oh, wishy-washy Reed Richards. Right, and I mean, that's actually, though, these are actually a couple that we could have talked about on our key issues that people are ignoring, you know, right. a, few, a few months back. The Superhero Registration Act first appearing in, you know, 1989, before, you know, it comes out in 2006. Well, it just takes Congress forever to get one of those acts through, right? Right, and apparently, you know. To, voting on it, yeah, voting on it for 16, 16 years. 16 years. <laughs> but it, go, it does go to show you that with comics, there's a lot of situations like the, the Superhero Registration Act where they may not have been used at that time or a character that may but, not have yeah. been used at that time. When the right writer comes along, the right creative team comes along, they can say, hey, take that concept and that's run with gold. It. Yeah. Let's use it. Yeah. You know, another example would be how often, you know, Groot is everywhere from right. Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. You know, how long was he nowhere yeah, to be found? Yeah, a minor character. Right, a minor character at best. And, yeah. and now everybody loves Groot. So, but it just, yeah, it goes to show you that, you know, the right creative team can really, really do something good with, with oh, you know, yeah. something, if given the chance. Absolutely. And what do you got next for us? Uh, I got Secret Wars. Oh. I mean, we, we got to talk about Secret Wars. Oh, no right? doubt, I no mean, doubt. When that was that a twelve issue? Twelve issue. Yeah, twelve issue miniseries, and uh, it's a lot going on. You know, you got a whole whole bunch of great supervillains and superheroes uh, getting uh, taken to this uh, battle world created by the Beyonder. Beyonder says, you know, slay your enemies, and I can give you everything you ever want and stuff like that. And it's just it's so much fun because um, at the age I was, 
this is me getting all my toys. Oh and yeah, be, and being the beyonder. Oh yeah, I get my toys, and I was like, I'm putting putting them all in one world. You're both on side. It's like you're the good guys, you're the bad guys. Fight, you know. Right. And so I think that the whole story is basically what a kid would do if he had all the Marvel action figures. <laughs> That's exactly what I would do. <laughs> right. And and some of the best parts about it too was Magneto when he he had he had those people show up in their respective spaceships, villains yeah, on Magnetos, one side, yeah. heroes on the other, and Magneto shows up with the heroes with the heroes. Yeah. And we're like, what? And everyone's like, what's up with that? Yeah, what's up with that? And then in the villains, you know, camp, there's Galactus. There's Galactus. Uh, there's also the Molecule Man. Right. And what's going to happen when Galactus gets hungry? Well, I just, Galactus. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, what happens is when they get there, as soon as Beyonder lays down the terms of the situation, Galactus goes right after him. Mm-hmm. And Galactus gets knocked back by the Beyonder. Right, and which uh, is, I think, the first time we've really seen him get smacked down. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even in his earlier appearances when he was defeated, you know. He it, just decided to leave. Right, I mean, it, it Not was. Not the ultimate nullifier, no. Yeah, it wasn't, <laughs> you, know, you know, we really saw him get smacked back. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's it's just a fun read. You know, you got your superheroes and supervillains fighting each other. You got all sorts of uh, stuff going on. You got the X-Men. You got a little bit of a Magneto making time with Janet Van Dyne, you know, mm-hmm. that girl. Yeah, and uh, uh, and it's got a couple like it's a couple of like one one it has one of the coolest covers I've ever seen on a comic book, and that is what issue number I want to say eight ten the Doctor Doom all beat up and like, oh, facing yeah, the yeah. Beyonder. It's such a great cover. There, there, yeah, you there's know. several great covers there. Yeah, um, you know another one I like. I don't remember the one that is, but the is it the the one where Hulk has the mountain. Oh yeah, up on his yeah, back. Exactly. Yeah, and he's holding the whole mountain up so, yeah. so all, nobody dies when it comes crashing down. That's a great down scene on. where because uh, because he's sitting there complaining about this is heavy and stuff like that. And Reed Richards starts insulting him to piss him off, <laughs> right? Because you know the angrier <laughs> yeah, Hulk is, the stronger Hulk yeah. is. So and, that was a pretty money move by yeah, Reed. Exactly. I mean, it's just it's so great because there's so much fun and we have Enchantress. One of my favorite. It's one, one of the funniest panels I've ever seen in a comic book. Hands down is in the Secret Wars, and it's when uh, the Enchantress, who's actually a major player mm-hmm. in the story, um, is drunk, and she's uh, just hanging out in one of these special buildings that Beyonder made for them. But she's sitting there drinking, and she's talking to herself. You know, <laughs> something I know a lot about. Uh, she goes like, "This is this war is not working out very well," and then she's sitting there talking to herself, drinking. Innkeeper, fetch me another flagon of mead. Fie! No one attends. I shall have to conjure my own meat again, or an innkeeper. And then, you know, she goes talking to herself some more, and then later just trips and falls down. And I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of other great things, like Johnny Storm hitting on the alien woman oh, that's trying right. to heal him. And then they found out it's like a side effect of her healing powers, which she heals you that makes you want her. Right. And stuff like that. But she, uh, she hooks up with Johnny Storm, and Spider-Man got healed by her, but just, you know, Spider-Man knows Johnny Storm. And right. He's like, I'm not going to go after Zaji yet. Uh, after Johnny Storm's been all up in there, right? We, you know, he's he's a man whore. Oh yeah, Johnny yeah. Storm. Yeah, Johnny Boy Storm. Slut. Yeah, he he got he got around quite a bit during his <laughs> early days. And you know, of course, we 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 can't talk about Secret Wars without talking about issue number eight. Sp- Spider Man's costume. Spider Man's costume. Yeah, which, the, yeah, the black costume. Um, you know, of course, that was a pretty sweet looking costume. It, it's a shame they didn't do more with that. It kind of just you know. 
Yeah, fizzled out. And <laughs> they never did anything with they that just costume. They never did anything with that costume. It was an alien costume. Right, alien know? costume that had a mind of its own. I mean, you'd think that would just write itself, yeah, you, you know? Re- real easy. Right, and you, you'd think that after Peter got rid of it, it might be angry and try to attach itself to somebody yeah, else. Yeah, you know, take it personally right, or take something. Right, take it personally or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. You know. It seems like they could have done a lot more with that than what they've done. <laughs> That's but, sarcasm, if you can't tell, dear listener. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, some of the other stuff, yeah, there was there, there was a lot, lot of good stuff with with that. It was, it is one of my all time favorite series. So it's I'm, a great series, uh, right? And like I said, Johnny Storm with with the you know, hitting on the woman, Spider Man's black costume. Yeah, um, Colossus wanted to get up with Zaji too, and right, and, and he's mad at Johnny Storm for not caring about her as much as he does, as what he yeah. would, and he's conflicted because of Kitty Pryde. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, he's got a girlfriend. Anyway. He's got a girlfriend anyway, <laughs> and um, and then you know, of course. At the end of it, you know, the thing stays behind. Yeah, and he had his little mini series after that. Because he finds that he can transform back between human, human form, form and the yeah. thing form on Battleworld. I never read that series, but I heard it was pretty good. It was pretty good, but then he realized that you can't really get laid up there. Yeah. So he's like, no, might as well go back. Might as well go home and just <laughs> be the thing again. I think that's how it happened. I, I didn't read them all. But. Right, with with the things, Rocky thing. Right? <laughs> the things thing. The things thing. So, But yeah, that, I, I love Secret Wars. Secret Wars 1 was as good as Secret Wars 2 was bad. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, so so there's that. That is definitely one you should probably go out of your way to find and, and read because, like you said, it, it's a kid's dream. You have all your toys. You get to pick your sides and, and watch well, them I work love, out each other. I love the interactions in, in the story with Claw and um, Dr. Doom. Because Doctor Doom's just going off on tirades and stuff like that, and Claw's a little crazy. He's been cooped mm-hmm. up for a while, and uh, but it just uh, you know Doctor Doom's walking around just talking to himself like oh the Dark Doom and and so Claw's is messing with him. He's like why why are you talking like that? Is there like somebody recording you all the time? <laughs> just messing with Doom. Another thing that I, I really liked about this is when when Doom finds out that the Molecule Man is among them. Yeah. Watching him suck up to the Molecule Man. Oh, yeah. Which is probably not a bad idea. Yeah. Considering next to the Beyonder and maybe Galactus, he He's is the, the most, most powerful, powerful person there. Molecules. By far. Yeah. Yeah, and they they do more with him later on and everything. The only thing that you know he's really bound by is his own self confidence. Right, he has issues. And yeah, yeah, uh, he has. You know, if he if inferiority he, complex, inferiority yeah. complex. If he didn't have that, I mean, and later on he goes toe to toe with the bite beyonder many years later, and, yeah. and at the very least holds his own. So he's one of the more powerful characters in the Marvel Universe. And that's why Doom was sucking up to him, but it was right. fun to watch. Right, it was fun to watch. And I mean, you know what? If I knew Owen Reese, I'd want to be his best friend too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if just, just yeah, if he figures it out one day, he'll right, fl- if he pull you it, apart. Right, and I mean, you know, he could pretty much give you whatever you want. Yeah. It's like, Owen. Make it. Make it. Make it. Make it so. <laughs> Make it so. Um, next up, since we were just talking about the um, Acts of Vengeance and the Superhero Registration Act, we have Marvel's Civil War. Which right. came to us from July of 2006 to January of no uh, January of 2007, and Congress finally got around 16 years later to passing that superhero registration act. There was some budget issues that kept it kept putting. Uh, yeah, I guess it kept being filibustered or something. Yeah, it was fil- and they kept attacking on like a uh, state. Yeah, uh, ta- tax laws. To yeah, the, to the uh, bill apparently, or something that you know kept it in limbo for 16 years. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, you know, Democrats kept voting against it because of the uh, state state laws that they kept trying to tack onto it. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's, all, it's all a matter of public record. You can right, go look yeah, it up. You'll go look it up. You'll figure out why it took so long to pass, you know. Um, but, yes, it was Team Captain America versus Team Iron Man. As, of course, as we know, Cap was uh, dead set against the Registration Act, and Team Iron Man was all for it. It began with the destruction of a school during the New Warriors reality show and, you know, the deaths of many children. So it was pretty right. It was pretty bad. Well, kind of uh, relevant. Yeah, and, and yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, definitely in this day and age, you know, and it, it took Congress to say at that point, you know what, enough's enough. You know, we're going to, to do, do something, something about yeah. this, and that's when they passed the act. And it it saw Reed Richards, who, had, you know, 16 years earlier said, you know, we don't need the Superhero Registration Act, say, um, yeah, yeah, maybe, we, we do. maybe we do. So he he joined what, you know, the Fantastic Four was divided. You know, him and Sue were on different sides. Right. And if I remember correctly, Johnny, of course, sided with Sue. And I guess Thing must – I can't remember for sure, but I think the yeah. Thing sided with Reed. And, of course, they drew up sides and, and battled each other out. And it became a major motion picture, Captain America Civil War, billion-dollar owner. Is that what that movie's about? That's what that movie's about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about that? And, you know, it saw us see the death, but not really, of Captain America. When he was, as we found out later, killed by Sharon, Sharon Carter at first, it was supposed to be that Crossbone shot him. Then it was revealed that, no, she was hypnotized and she shot him at a close range. And then it was later even revealed, well, he didn't actually die. It was a magic bullet that <laughs> sent him traveling through time. Okay. Which, yo, it sounds like it's really out there. and Like, oh, my God, what are they doing? But right. it wasn't a bad story. <laughs> See, I haven't read it all. Yeah, yeah, that 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 wasn't bad. So I was I was buying everything Captain America. He's my favorite superhero. So I was buying every Captain America thing imaginable at that time because I did did love me some Captain America, and it gave us a great run afterwards with Ed Brubaker doing Captain America with Bucky, aka the Winter Soldier, right, becoming Captain America. And as much as I love Steve Rogers, and I am a big Steve Rogers mark, yeah, I kind of didn't want him to come back. Really? Yeah, I was really enjoying his run with with Bucky. He was doing a really good job. I, I enjoyed Winter Soldier as, as Cap. Well, I mean that could work, but I mean I think with Steve Rogers, he should be U.S. agent. Yeah, there you go. And then we'll just make U.S. agent disappear. Yeah, and John Walker, away. you can. Yeah, you can. can yeah, you we can don't go need away. You. We don't need you anymore. You can cut ma- from maybe the team. maybe you can be Nomad now. Yeah, now you can be Nomad. Yeah, you can now become Nomad, or you know, be the Captain, as, as Steve Rogers was known as for a while. But yeah, yeah, Winter Soldier as as Captain America was a really good run there. You enjoyed I, it, I, huh? I did enjoy it. Yeah, it was good stuff. I bet there's people who would argue with you. I'm sure there was. I'm sure there was. And, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why Steve came back. Well, that and because, you know, the movie was going to be coming out and they kind of needed Steve Rogers to be Captain America. They wanted the comic synced up. Right. They wanted it synced up. And which makes perfect sense. You don't want to leave the movie. Yeah. You know, go out out and buy Captain. And go, wait a minute, who's this guy? Why is Bucky Captain America? And then, you know, that doesn't. I guess I got to read 324 other issues. Right. what happens. And then guess what they're not going to do? Buy those or that one because Mm -hmm. they don't want to go back. They want to just be able to pick up from then on, which makes sense. But Civil War was fantastic. I did enjoy the the way it it settled out. You know, Captain America wasn't the only death. Bill Foster died in it, um, Goliath. Um, so it, it, I mean, it raised a lot, it raised a lot of well, issues. And like, like you said, when we talked about the kids dying at the, at school and oh, everything, yeah. it's definitely relevant and was kind of a way to 
disguise yeah a metaphor for a real world for real world things and and you know try to talk about it yeah you know because definitely comics have dealt with social issues oh yeah since the dawn of time so that's you know, nothing there. Well, since the dawn, dawn of comic, comic books, comic books. <laughs> at least the superhero ones. Right. You know, I've got a feeling that the uh, the old Marvel romance novels from the Golden Age probably didn't deal right. with yeah. a lot of social issues. Not so much. Probably not so much. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so what do you got next for us over there, man? Man. Uh, this is my last one. I have to say this is probably my favorite. I got to say it's the Kree Scroll War. Oh yeah. Um, it's just a very classic, jam packed. Uh, for Marvel, Silver Age Marvel book, mm-hmm. it is very dense. There is so much going on. You got, you got Rick Rick Jones. There you go. You got Marvel. You know, you got Carol Danvers. Uh, the Vision getting shot down by cows. By cows? Oh yeah. I'm gonna definitely gonna let you borrow this, but it's great. You know, you got Cree. You got Scroll. You got Annihilus. You got the Negative Zone. You got so much stuff going on, and there's a cool little segment where Ant Man travels into Vision's body to go mm-hmm. fix him, and that's pretty cool. I was and Neil Ar- Neil Adams is all over this, all over this book. Well, then no, you know it's drawn well. Yeah, I've nothing. And else. It is drawn well. Yeah, and I think it had a a real good pulse in terms of when it comes to a comic book that's this dense. And the pulse is, is that yeah, you're getting a lot of information, but there's also a lot of action. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, you get a little bit of a um, narrative but there's action and right it's, it's a very good ebb and flow in this comic book and the art is just excellent uh story is really good i wouldn't say excellent you know but it's really really good and there's just so much going on and i could see them making a movie after a cap marvel movie very much about this story well definitely because they're introducing the scrolls to exactly. the marvel universe with the with the new captain marvel and you know the kree have already been yep. established, established with yep. uh, under uh, agents of shield oh yeah so there's you know you could definitely do a kree scroll war and um, if i remember correctly earth was so sought after because of its strategic location in the right. middle in the middle of the war yeah yeah i think we're like something like halfway between the two planets or yeah, something like that like, yeah we're good uh a truck stop basically on the highway yeah, that, between them. <laughs> yeah both so both of them wanted to to use it and I, and, and you know and, and the thing about about it was is I, I remember the um if I remember this correctly from my, my silver surfer days reading those the, the scrolls were originally a peaceful people that visited the Cree first and wanted them you know and tried to you know help them out and bring them up technologically but but the Cree are dicks right and then you know (laughs) went after them and that's what began the whole war and made you know turn the scrolls into such a a warlike race they originally weren't that way they became that way almost out of necessity to to survive the Cree are real jerks yeah because the Cree are jerks (laughs) you know and they're evolutionally the Cree are stagnant you know they're they haven't evolved in years so they that's why the creation of things like the you know the inhumans and things like that is a way to to move that forward yeah there's inhumans in that book too oh yeah? yeah there's does Black Bolt make an appearance? Yeah, Black Bolt's in there. One of my favorite parts, and we're digressing from this, one of my favorite parts with him was in the storyline of, um, which I, I didn't put down, but is another great one to talk at a later time, World War Hulk, where Hulk comes back from right. Planet Hulk, and he confronts Black Bolt, and Black Bolt says quietly, enough. <laughs> and, and it's enough to just destroy yeah. anybody, and right. it knocks him back, and the next thing you know... You have this moment where there's nothing, and you know the Hulk's not dead because right. it's like the very first issue of World War Hulk, so he can't be yeah. dead. And then the Hulk says, "I didn't come to hear you whisper; I came to hear you scream." Oh. And he 
beats Black Bolt within an inch of his life. And then later on holds him up with a hologram. He says, I'm coming to your world to do this to you. And he holds up a limp Black Bolt for the whole world. Oh, my God. I was like, as soon as I read that one, I was just going into nerd heaven. I was like, yeah! This is going to be so great. But, but yeah, you talked about the cows shooting at them. Was that the cow? Were those cows? Were they the ones from? I think it was Fantastic Four yes. number two that got left here. Yes. Oh, that's great! That's great. And see, that's another one of those things we were talking about with the forgotten concept. You yeah. Because you just I until you just said that I just figured that those cows were just forgot about and never bought yeah. back. No, and that's what it's, that's what's great about it is a callback to previous story story. Right, and, and you know that like was that. quite a few years because you said this is Silver Age. This is what the Late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, late Silver Age. Yeah. Late Silver Age. Yeah, because yeah. the um, because that would have been, you know, yeah, early sixties that the the cows would have been. Oh yeah, yeah, this this art is fantastic. Yeah, the uh, yeah the uh the the story arc with the what was the scrolls? Didn't they weren't they in Avengers number one? Uh, I think they first appeared in Avengers number one. No, the scrolls first appeared in Fantastic Four number two. That's it. Yeah, yeah, Fantastic Four number two. Yeah, so they've been around a while, but I mean, mm. back then it was just one scroll, you know, this one shapeshifter. But then they made, turned it into a race of aliens, or right? Yeah, you know, and so, they expanded upon it. And yeah, everything. and I think that's great because I think the scrolls are terrifying uh, uh, villains that have oh, been no used doubt. effectively very, very well in many, many comic books. Secret Invasion. Yeah, and I think it's great. I think that Kree Scroll War is probably one of my favorite uh, story arcs ever printed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just you, so dense. Great read. I mean, seriously, I w- was rereading it today, and it took me like two and a half hours. Oh, okay. yeah, and see, yeah. and that's good because you know we talked about this on an earlier episode of uh, of Lost in the Long Box. One of the things that we, you know, I had a problem with was you know being able to get through a comic book in ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. So that's great that it you know you know, it was time consuming, and you know you were able to get all that in oh, with yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. So, and for my last one, we have one of my favorite stories ever. It was actually only two issues long. It was from X Men number one forty one and one forty two. I actually owned. This, oh yeah. I actually owned this in trade paperback. It was probably the first trade paperback I ever owned, <laughs> and you know I still have it. It's pretty beat up. But you know now that I'm older and have a little bit of money, I actually own the original comics as well. Those are ones that I sought after, and that is the X Men Days of Futures Past. And, you know, you guys might remember some of that from the movie not right. too long ago. Um, there was definitely some changes from yes. in the movie from the yes. original storyline. The story takes place in 1980 and the year 2013, both. So days of past past? Days of past past at this point, yes. Yeah, yeah I remember what I originally read. I was like, 2013, that's so far from so now. Far, so far so away. So far from now. <laughs> I mean, I didn't read this in 1980 because I was, you know, three. Right, right. But, you know, I was probably about, you know, 12 or 13 when I did read it, finally get around to reading it. Um, but, of course, the... The X-Men, the, the Mutant Registration Act was, of course, uh-huh. going in full force. We were talking about registration acts earlier. It was proposed by Senator Kelly. Right. And in the year 2013, so five years ago, <laughs> by our standards, the Sentinels had taken over the United States and were looking down the barrel of turning their state, their focus to other countries. And the world was on the verge of a nuclear war because right. of it. It was bad. You know, what remaining mutants were left alive were kept in internment camps. And the Sentinels had not only gone after, you know, mutants, but once they had captured or killed all the mutants, they went also went after regular 
heroes like Spider-Man, who is, of course, right. not a mutant. The Fantastic Four, who were not mutants. Right. You know, they had superpowers, but they were not a mutant. Uh, Captain America is dead. You know, so they, Iron they Man is dead. they expanded their targets. Or, right, yeah. and to, to eliminate all, super, oh, yeah. all superhumans. Um, and they come up with the idea that they're going to send Kitty Pride back in time right. to keep Senator Kelly from being assassinated in an attempt which, to... Which sparks this whole series Right, of which events. sparks this whole series of events. Right. Um, so she is, of course, sent backwards in time. This series, uh, this two-issue arc shows us the first appearance of, a, of what would be a pretty major character, Rachel Summers, rather, right. Um, right. as she first appears in this in the Days of Futures Past storyline. Of course, you know her as you know the later Phoenix, um, and so and the son of Cyclops and Jean, um, right. daughter rather, because uh-huh. um, not a guy, no, of uh, no. Cyclops and, De- and Jean Grey in, a, in an alternate timeline. Um, you know, the series ends with them stopping the assassination of Kelly, and you wonder, well, did we change anything? Didn't we? Right. I'm going to say that you guys did because I don't see any Sentinels walking around. Yeah. So that's just me. Thanks. But, thanks, Wolverine. Thanks, Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some great scenes in there because by the end of the of the series, all of the, um, all the future mutants are dead with the exception of Kitty. They don't really reveal what happens with her i mean you know, I she's pretty much in a catch anyway she's pretty much in a coma so yeah. the, most of the time so they probably don't leave her alone there's a pretty cool scene where colossus throws wolverine at a, a at the back of a sentinel with the you know, the the fastball special oh, right the fastball special, special yeah. and the sentinel just jerks around and just blasts him mm-hmm. and then the next thing you know wolverine's adamantium skeleton oh yeah it's just the ground yeah. just collapses to the ground so and of course in the movie you know, we sent Wolverine back in time. Yeah, because Hugh Jackman. Because Hugh Jackman, right? <laughs> I would have preferred it been Kitty Pride, but I understand why you did what you did. You know, you have to, you know, apply appeal to just, the masses. You have to justify your your salary for the guy, right? <laughs> and and everything. One of the great things that um, the movie did do is it is it retconned out the X Men Last Stand movie that was yeah you know, X Men Three. That was that was great that they did that because yeah. that that movie was terrible. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was. It, you know, it was supposed to be based on the the graphic novel "God Loves, Man Kills," which I have not read, but I've heard is phenomenal. And so, from my understanding, is they didn't do such a great job with that. Right. I really didn't like the Jean Grey Phoenix in that. No, no, so and, bad. And I'm wondering how they're going to handle that in the Dark Phoenix saga coming up. Are they going to do more along those lines, or is she going to be possessed by a god like she is in the comic? Yeah, books? I mean, I would hope that they do it right because right. I mean, that was. Such a letdown, the whole Phoenix thing. Yeah. You know, you're just like, okay, in anticipation of that, I was really looking forward to this. If they do that right, it could be a really good movie. It really could. And I'm hoping that they do it right with this. My my biggest concern is I don't particularly care for the person that they had playing Jean Grey. Pam K. Jansen? No, that's who they had in the original. And I like her. The the, the new girl that they have, the younger one that was in in, um, Days of Futures Past and everything. What is her name? She's in Game of Thrones. Uh, Sophie Turner. Yes. Is I'm, that right? The, I, that sounds correct. That's correct? That sounds correct, yes. It's in my head. There you go. I'm not a huge fan of hers, so... Uh, she's gorgeous. I don't think she's that great of an actress, though. Yeah. So, I Be, mean... Being good-looking doesn't mean you I'm, can I'm not going to deny that she's an attractive woman. That, yeah. That you, you won't get me denying that, but I'm not a big fan of her as... as and Famke Jansen, she can actually act. Yeah, she can actually act. I liked her as Jean Grey. Yeah. I just didn't like, you know, the the third 
X-Men movie. I didn't like the way it was written. I don't blame her for her, for Phoenix and that. I just didn't like the way it was written. But so we'll see what happens with that. I hope I'm, I have high hopes for it. Hope they won't let us down. But you know, I did like the days of future. Overall, I did like the days of futures past movie, even though like they did def- they changed. They a did bunch some change bunch of stuff. I mean, what you know, you had to. It do, was okay. It 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 came out. The storyline came out in the eighties. Yeah. You know, the movies had went a different direction with who they were using, who they weren't using. So you couldn't use all the same people. I mean, I get it. I understand. And I mean, I thought what they did was good considering. Yeah. It was okay. I didn't like past Professor X. He seems like if I ran across him, I would want to kick his ass. Yeah. I, well, yeah. and I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Stewart was born to play that role. Obviously. Well, it's, I don't I mean, know. I mean, there was just. When he had hair, he wasn't. No, no, you don't want to put Patrick Stewart. When he started going bald. Yeah, Yeah. bald Patrick Stewart is Professor X. They said in an interview with him one time when he first did the the, the first X-Men movie, they showed him some copies of X-Men, you know, to get him, you know, into the role. And he looked at them and he saw Professor X. He goes, why am I in this comic book? (laughs) (laughs) So that's great. I mean, it's like, you know. And maybe well, I guess I guess you know who we want to cast you as, right? I guess you know who we want to cast you as, and you know Hugh Jackman makes a great Wolverine too. I mean, you no know, lie, yeah. no I'm lie. Challenged. I mean, you know, yeah. the height, okay, he's too tall, but you know that's why you have creative camera work. Yeah, so you're you're just fine. Just higher make, angles, shoot higher, him from higher angles. Shoot him from higher angles. Don't put him next to anybody that he's taller than okay. that he's not supposed to be taller than. You know, you can do stuff like that. You can you can make a make do with that. So. But yeah, this is one of my all-time favorites. So this is the like I said, the first trade paperback I ever owned. And it's only two issue series, huh? Only two issues, only two issues, and that's all it needed to be. Yeah, that's all it needed to be. They got everything in that they needed there, you know. But now, you get twelve issues for a funeral, right? Twelve issues for a funeral. And nowadays, <laughs> this would probably be seven to eight. Oh issues, yeah, easily. You know, easily. You know, so they could do the the bigger trade paperback. Well, it's just they they really didn't do a whole lot of that kind of concept. That's kind of an Elseworlds or like what if kind of concept. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do a whole lot of that with in within the X Men title. Right. And so I think that that was an interesting and they probably the writers probably had to pitch this idea. It's like it, we can you know, that way it's in the future we can like retcon it if you don't like it or it's not successful or something like that. But we want to tell this story. Right. You know? And this is Chris Claremont. Yeah. You know the the yeah, X Men guy, the X Men guy, yeah, the X Men guy, the best that that yeah. that has appeared on the title, you know, no mm-hmm. doubt. So you know, definitely, t- you know, take a look for this. Find your trade paperback. Find the individual comics. Although the individual it's comics good. are probably going to be about fifty bucks a piece, so when, maybe. When you told me about uh, Wolverine getting vaporized and the adamantium scale, I do remember reading that, and I do enjoy that moment. Yeah, it's just clank. Yeah, I always wanted to do somebody to kill Wolverine. Anytime Wolverine gets killed, I love it. Yeah. You know, it's like beating Rob. It's like beating Jason Todd to death. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I'm not as big of. I, I, I do like Wolverine, so I you know, a lot more. At least a lot more than I do Jason Todd. So well, I I just when I when he dies, I just love rubbing fanboys' noses in it. You know, oh, I know a Wolverine fan. I want to show this panel too. There you go. Yeah, yeah Wolverine, <laughs> Wolverine is dead, and he's definitely has the overexposure problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe not as bad. You know, at the height of his career, it was probably. Every bit as bad as what Venom's is. Yeah. So, but, but yeah. So definitely check that out. And we are just about out of time, everybody. Um, yeah. So remember next week we will be talking all about Stan Lee. Yo, so ju- join yeah. us next week, True Believers. Absolutely. Excelsior. And we're going to do a story for you and uh, 
Uh, we're going to do some research, I'm sorry, yeah, for we're you. Yeah, do plenty of research for you. Make sure that we uh, we have all kinds of stuff to talk about with Stan Lee. And we want to do it justice. And we want to make sure it's done right. Yeah. Serve his memory correctly. Yeah. Yep. Now, so, give us a week. Let us work on it for yep, you. Give us a week. Rest in peace, Stan Lee. Yeah. Enough said. Hey, uh, do we have, a, we have a thing on Facebook, right? Yes. Lost and Long Bucks on Facebook? Yes. We're also on Twitter, right? We're also on Twitter at Lost and Long B1. Yeah. And uh, do we have an email address where people, if they have any questions? Lostinlongbox at gmail.com. So, yeah, definitely hit us up with anything about Stan Lee or anything we talked about tonight or any of our previous broadcasts that you wish to talk about. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and share the show with a friend. Definitely, like, yeah. Like, share and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. app uh, iTunes and Google Play or you know, yeah. wherever else that you may get your favorite podcast from. Yeah. I'm the madman, and I love you. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. 